When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Off Topple Empire, we're redrawing the divisions, not quite by chronological order, but by how good we think games are. We're also asking the important question, is competitive necessarily good? These are very important questions to ask in the Big Ten. Today on Off Topple Empire. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off Topple Empire. Welcome back to Off Topple Empire, your source for Big Ten football news and analysis and extremely sober types of podcast intros for once in my life. I'm Steve Braun, also known online as Thumpasaurus. Sometimes I forget that uh, I couldn't actually get that Twitter handle because some dude has just been sitting on it for years. Um, So sometimes I make uh, really fun infographics where I tag myself wrong. And send everybody to a dead account that hasn't tweeted ever. Yep, literally no tweets on that account. There's also a band that, that came up like a few years after I started writing um, that I was mistaken for a few times. Uh, they also don't have the account. Um, <laughs> well, but clearly they're also big fans of George Clinton, Parlin, Funkadelic. So now we need you to cross-promote with them because that's a that's a source of pollination that we're not taking advantage of in growing the brand. So... Are you about the hustle culture or are you not? Am I going to get this bread? That's what I'm wondering. So, anyway, it is spoopy week, but before we get into the previews <laughs> of a Big Ten slate that is very much split by quality of game, we're going to take a quick tour around the nation and see what else happened in college football last week. First, in the midweek, as we're now just having Coastal Carolina play Wednesdays and Thursdays and Tuesdays, despite them previously being undefeated. The Fighting Chickens go up Bees Holler, a.k.a. Appalachian State, and come back with an L. We make that reference because our writer, Beezer, is a resident of the general Western Carolina, Western Virginia, Appalachian area. Beezer 12, washing beard. And he, I'm sure, would have been delighted by this if he were not selfishly on a honeymoon during the season. Does he even write for this football blog? See, what I wanted to make sure, not just in my wedding, but in my honeymoon, that that I didn't want my wife questioning her choices as I sneak off to see if Illinois can cut this to a four-score game with ten minutes to go. (laughs) Yeah, we, as you know, my wedding date will be the date of the Michigan State-Maryland game. Didn't plan it that way because, I mean, really, (laughs) the only... Vague concern when we pick that as our third option for a wedding date, thanks to the... You tried diligently to avoid having it during football season. Kind of, but honestly, yeah, I'm also at a point in my life where I I don't care. Especially because we had to cancel it twice. If it had been this weekend, Michigan, Michigan State, I'd been like, yeah, it's that day. Come or we're not friends anymore. 
Like that's how I'm like, you know, yeah. if anybody wants to complain about it, I'm like, it's it's a wedding. You really gonna tell like anyway. Well also it's like I really mean, really you're not right. gonna have to pay for drinks. That's the cool thing. You can watch college football if you must, with the free drinks. <laughs> or you can just not. Um, yeah, but I, I did want to avoid any big relevant games because there were basically two options there. One which is, oh, we'll just do a thing where we put the game on the screen at a reception. No, I don't want to be watching a football game at my own wedding reception, which yeah. is what would happen if it was on a screen. And the alternative is all the dudes in the hall are on their phones watching games. That was part of the math that we did. But I think the biggest convincing factor to just... And, of course, I had the luxury of getting married pre-pandemic. Uh, convincing her to go to spring wedding were, were two things. One is that in the unlikely event that Illinois ever plays a really important regular season game, you know it'll be on, like, our 10th anniversary. And two, uh, the fact that I've associated an Illinois football memory with all these fall weddings we've been to, just because it's how I remember what date they were. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. My sister's wedding was the time we got... My sister's first wedding was when we got housed by Louisiana Tech, 52-24. to Um... No, 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 I know it was this day because we got beat 63-33 to by Maryland. No, my sister's other wedding was when we got beat 63 to nothing by Iowa. All actual <laughs> weddings, by the way. Um, oh, so, yeah, fall weddings, I mean, there was the one in Central Park where we got beat by, like, four scores by North Carolina. Okay, confirmed. Michigan State's going to lose by 50 I mean, to Maryland on my wedding day. No, no, Can't wait. But it's also just the fact that my, my football team loses, like, all the time. <laughs> Therefore, it would almost certainly be a bad memory, right? So, yeah, she didn't want me to be like, yeah, you know, I remember our wedding day because that was when Illinois got, like, blown out by Rutgers at home. <laughs> so, anyway, many happy returns to Bees and Mrs. Bees. We're looking forward to getting them back. Uh, anyway. <laughs> now, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Um, is, I, you can't name me a bigger example of ain't played nobody, Paul, because that was about the most tenuous number 14 ranking I have ever seen in my life. Now, that's an interesting... I don't really know their schedule off the top of my head, so I'm going to... I examined it last week. Yeah, let's the have Citadel, a look here. Okay. Kansas, yeah. Buffalo. Buffalo's legit. Didn't they? Oh, oh, no. For some reason, Kansas agreed to go and play them on the road. Well, you know, a program like Kansas has to take those paycheck yeah. games to stay afloat. So UMass. <laughs> UMass, yeah. UL U- Monroe. Okay. Arkansas State, who, of yeah. course, is struggling mightily. Yeah. That, and that's it. Yeah. That is a weak-ass schedule. And then next week, they've got a tough matchup with Troy. They, I don't remember which of the, I can never remember which of the Sun Belt Georgias is good, but they play both of them after that. That being so. said, Monroe did beat somebody. Who did they beat? Because, do you know who their coach is now? They beat uh, South Alabama. Well, I know Rich Rod coaches there. I don't think he's the head coach. Is That's it Terry, um, Bowden. Terry Bowden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Anyway... Uh, and App State, we've said they've been due to, to win one of these. <laughs> they just keep getting so close. Well, when we say keep getting so close, like they're one and five. I mean, this moves them to five and two. And yeah. one of those losses was a narrow loss to Miami. So they're still pretty damn good, even though yeah, they've had. They're, they're, they're good. They're just not right. And of course, the best part of this was that throughout the fourth quarter, every single time they welcomed you back to the broadcast, they said. Appalachian State going for their first ranked win uh, since, since 2007. 2007 against Michigan. <laughs> now, in case you have no idea what that looked like, let's, here, let's, 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 let's run you back through everything that happened there. Yeah. All, all right. right. Now, now, look, I know we did this like five minutes ago, 
but there might be some people that weren't watching then, so let's show it to you again. In case you're joining us, let's bring you up to speed on what happened in 2007. I don't know how I can ever, ever watch Appalachian State games. Not so much because of how it fucks with, you know, how the memory activates in my mind, but because they never stop talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just could never ever do that. NMU keeps setting people on fire. Tanner Mordecai is amazing. Um, Cincinnati and Oklahoma in the top five, both dodging upset bids um, from Navy and Kansas. Kansas, <laughs> Kansas um, took a 10-point lead on Oklahoma for the first time. No, no, their first 10-point lead in a conference game, I think, since 2013. Was Oklahoma scoreless at had no score at halftime, or was it only after the first quarter? I believe it was halftime. I think they were, yeah. So they were held scoreless by Kansas until the half, which is a reminder, Caleb Williams is super fun to watch, and he's hugely talented. He's also a true, true freshman, freshman quarterback, and I mean, there was definitely, yeah, I mean, he threw an interception that was obviously a case of him forcing it. You could tell that over the course of the game, the message that had to be conveyed that I think he probably understood at some point was, look, you don't actually have to win this himself. And then... When Kennedy Brooks got stopped on a fourth and short, Williams takes the ball away from him and runs for like a foot. Yeah. He stripped the ball from his own running back <laughs> and took it away. Yeah. No, what happened was Lincoln Riley just kept doing the Nick Saban thing. Settle the fuck down! <laughs> and eventually, that message more or less got across. Um, Matt Campbell gets himself back in the USC-LSU conversation by taking down Oklahoma State, which was a touchdown underdog despite being number eight in the country and undefeated. Um, but some realism there in that oh, Oklahoma, no. in that Oklahoma, yeah, in that Oklahoma State's lived kind of a charmed life so far. Well, and yeah, of course, their best win against extremely not back Texas, right? Um, and oh no, the top ten Oklahoma State went down in flames in Ames. Whoever could have seen it coming. The ghost of steel jants continues to haunt them. Uh, Wake Forest gets in a firefight with the troops and put down 70 points worth of disrespect. 70 to 56. Yeah, this team more than doubled the over-under line. <laughs> there were 1,200 yards of offense. <laughs> Just what you expect from an Army game, right? Um, Miami gets back on the road to making Michigan State's win mean something by beating NC State, which I think, other than Pitt, might have been the only ranked team left in the ACC. They were 18. Maybe they'll still be in the top 25. I haven't seen the rankings yet. Pitt's going to continue to be in the top 25 because NC State, of course, in the top 25 for beating Clemson. Even after Clemson uh, knocked out, it's like, you know <clears throat> you know how once somebody, a team gets into the top 25 for a specific reason, and then the next week everybody forgets what that reason is, but they were in the top 25 last week, so it's like, yeah, they yeah, didn't yeah, lose. Yeah. So, so might as well leave it. <laughs> that would be NC State really forever, every time you're in the top 25, but... Um, Why appara- are they in this again? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, scoring 17 points is just what Clemson does now as they lose to Pitt. Can he pick it? A little yes, bit lower, pro- a little bit lower production game, but Clemson's defense is still really good. So that I mean, I believe this win more or less clears the way for Pitt to get to the ACC title game. They're they've, they're well, in control. They've only played three conference games. Yeah, but. Virginia is second in their division with two losses. Yeah. Uh, NC State picked up their first conference loss, but Wake Forest has is 4-0. It's going to be Wake Forest versus Pitt. It's going to be outstanding. That that game is going to be like... There will be... 85 to 83. Dozens of people in the stands. In 12 overtimes. <laughs> but it finishes regulation at 81-81. Yeah, and... Uh... Brady Hoke continues his inexorable march to the playoff. Uh, San Diego State stays undefeated and also undefeated. Meep, meep. 
put the Roadrunners in. The only thing holding them back is is nearly getting beat by Art Sikowski. That's a big that's a big blemish on the resume. So This week in the Big Ten, spooky scary skeletons send shivers down your spine. Minnesota plays Northwestern. Yes, it's going to be spooky and terrible, by which we mean it will be a repeat of last week's game. I don't know what the difference functionally is between Minnesota and Michigan against a team like Northwestern, because Minnesota is even more determined to run the ball constantly. Yeah, and if we're talking about clueless defensive coordinators, I'm sure that our friends at Northwestern would uh, like to nominate one in Jim O'Neill. Oh yeah, but I'm sure this will be the... Which one's the referee and which one's the defensive coordinator? Yes. Oh, I I don't remember, like, they're both O'Neills. And one of them's Jim and one of them's John. Jim O'Neill is, I think, the coach, and I think John O'Neill is the ref. I want to say that only because I feel like Jim is more of a coach than a referee. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in this conference, Jim is definitely a, a coach. And then the other thing is, not that you can tell this from the pronunciation, but the coach O'Neill only has one L in his name and the ref has two. What do you mean? Have you seriously not noticed that? I've been saying O'Neill and O'Neill. <laughs> we'll see. There I said it. But you, I, you like, I was thinking about it. I was paying attention to it. the whole it. time, okay? Obviously... We know that one of them is O'Neill and the other is O'Neill. <laughs> so all of which is to say that look, there's not much interesting to say about this. If Minnesota doesn't win by ten to seventeen points, it'll be a surprising outcome unless they win by more. Because again, this is a Northwestern offense that has not shown signs of life outside of the occasional drive here and there. Hey, look, I keep bringing up the whole you know. It's getting late in the season and it's time for Northwestern to start waking up thing. And I'm going to continue to, to, to bring it up because if it keeps not happening, then I will be blamed for it not happening. And that's great. I <laughs> want will, that responsibility. It will be your fault. Yeah. But so, look, so I'm going to keep willing it into non-existence. But look, Northwestern is 3-4 and four now, and they're 1-3 in the conference. And that one was over a Rutgers team that basically played the same way they did. You know, <laughs> remarkable how many teams there are that lean on their defenses, and, man, some of those... And when their defense isn't good, then, oh, okay, I guess let's just go 3-9. and nine. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know what else there is to see here from an interesting perspective. I mean, I guess if you're a Minnesota fan, once you get the lead, you would hope that you try to work on the passing game a little bit, but we've seen pretty consistently here, Fleck's not going to do it. He's just going to put in the backup running back and, so quit run, and run the so quit asking. Yeah. Um, and look, it's, it's going to be good enough to get them into a situation where if you can beat Wisconsin and or Iowa, you got a shot at going to Indianapolis. Well, they win this game, they're 6-2. I mean, yeah. people are not really talking about Minnesota as being a contender, but I, there is point, no reason that they're not. They win this game, you might have to rank them with a, loss, with a home loss to Bowling Green on the record. How could you not rank Six and two Minnesota, basically at this point. Yeah, well, especially get, again, there's a lot more in the way of parity at the top level. Their schedule of is very, very backloaded. Yes, and so. But their crossovers outside of Ohio State, generous. And they got that out of the way. They got the. Yep. They took their medicine right up front, and boy, did it hurt! But <laughs> and then they lost to fucking Bowling Green for no apparent reason. Yeah, but also something that again fades further into the rearview mirror as we go on here. So. We mentioned this in the recap, a very interesting game in the East Division, not not for anything to do with the division race, but to determine which of these programs can get off the mat 
Indiana at Maryland, where the winner here can plausibly tell themselves that they're back in line for a bowl game and turn the calendar to November with a little bit of a positive mindset. But, boy, the loser of this game could be in a very difficult spot, especially if it's Indiana, because then you're two and six, and that's, you know, well, obviously yeah. not great. So, of course, Indiana is going to be in a more difficult spot losing for this season. But if Maryland loses this game, I mean, this could be one of the first real solid, definitely nails in a coffin for Michael Oxley. I don't know. I don't have any, I mean... I, I don't know, know if he'll get canned after this. Right. This is certainly going to... But he might be done, whether he's fired or not. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. When 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 the recruiting falls off and you're a coach like Mike Sloxley, there is nothing else you can do. Right. It's it's over. And so, you know, and obviously... Dead man walking. The Maryland fans that we have access to are very angry right now. But whether that sentiment is echoed by the boosters and the administration in that order are really the important questions there. So... But yeah, if Maryland loses this game, they went from 4-0 to 4-4 four four in the course of Well, look, I mean, if Mark Turgeon, you know, finishes third in the Big Ten and makes the Sweet 16, then they're going to be angry enough that they're going to have to fire somebody. <laughs> you know, that's going to make them so, so furious. I do wonder if that is a common feature of Maryland fans or if it's just our Maryland fan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems where to be on Testudo times, too. Where they're angrier when he wins because they want to get rid of him so badly. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't make it up, man. Um, well, it you know I think that is a common internet Maryland thing, family. Yeah, and you know the thing you got to remember about the state of Maryland is it's located between Washington D.C. and Philadelphia. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of negative energy and a lot of different flavors that like see like bleeds over into their borders. So anyway, not like the, not that there's much of us for say. From an X's and O's perspective. Um, look, Indiana, Indiana is struggling in all phases of the game on offense. I mean, basically, if this is a situation where we ragged on Maryland's defense a lot last week. Yeah. If this is a situation where they can't figure it out against Indiana, especially if they don't have Panics back, then, right. Right, then yeah, then this really will be a nail in the coffin because... <laughs> Because if not, if not now, when? Yeah, because with Jack Tuttle, there is no downfield threat from this offense at all. And look, I get that's really kind of true about Minnesota, too. And But this is also a much less potent run game the Hoosiers have than Minnesota does. So, yeah, if Maryland can't control this game at the line of scrimmage and hold Indiana back, because all they're doing offensively is running the ball ineffectively and throwing the ball to their running back. That's something that's been a big feature of Tuttle ball now. So... This, I mean, that's so the other thing. So they're going to continue to play, you know, to play five men in the defensive secondary, what, and do like cover four type of shit, like. What? Well, yeah, when when Indiana's not throwing the ball beyond ten yards from the line of scrimmage more than a couple times a game, it's we'll see. You know, I I like Maryland to win this game, um, and again, you know, yeah, they've played stronger teams in this three game losing streak. You could say the same about Indiana. They've had a front loaded schedule. I'm really interested to see how this game goes because I do think Maryland's the better team, but I believe in Indiana's coaching more. Vastly so. And here's the other thing, which is, to an extent against Ohio State, Indiana's defense really folded for the first time in a while that we've seen. And that's understandably so because the Buckeyes put pressure on you as a defense that is difficult to overwhelm. And their offense did nothing to support the cause. 
But it's going to be an interesting data point to see if Tom Allen's able to rally his troops and get them. I mean, this is a good time for a rah-rah coach, is it not? You've come out of a difficult stretch of your schedule. You really need a win and to improve and get one of those better performances that we talked about. This is a good time for it. I actually like Indiana here, even if Tuttle plays. But it's going to be an interesting matchup here as we have Tuttle versus Tuttle. <laughs> Tuttles versus Tuttles. So, Purdue at Nebraska seems to be a bit of a, of a, of a dueling Sisyphus thing. Uh, where, you know, with Purdue, yeah. it's sort of more of a program thing where, where, where they get things that they think are, are really capstones that turn out kind of not to be such. And Nebraska... They always think they've found the bottom of the valley and then actually know it can keep rolling a little further downhill. Well, that's the thing, okay? They seem to roll that boulder up the hill every single week and then roll it all the way down the hill at the by the end of the game. The thing is, they're rolling back farther every time to where I put this in infographics as well, where like they're starting to teeter on the precipice of maybe becoming... This isn't even you fill up the stadium and it's fun to go. Yeah. Which is which is actually super depressing. It is. It, the, the summit of Nebraska's hill in that analogy is a very fine point. And so there's really like there's nowhere where the ball can rest before rolling back down. Um, on because the field, Nebraska sits at 3-5 right now. On the field, Nebraska is a better team here. Given Purdue's struggles on the offensive side, I don't know how they score. In this game, because Nebraska's defense has acquitted itself quite well. Yeah. Uh, except, of course, last time they did poorly against a running team. They did poorly against Illinois' rushing attack. Purdue doesn't have as robust a running game. No, they don't. And David Bell's a big time playmaker, but they've shown an ability to control the line of scrimmage against pretty good offenses. I compared this to the Michigan State game, for example. Um, I like Michigan State's playmakers overall better, but they don't have anybody like Bell. Neither does anybody. Yeah. Uh, I would still probably favor Nebraska to win this game, but, boy, they sure do find ways to make all that, all the stuff that you think about on paper, like, all right, they really should win this, like, this advantage, this advantage. They find ways to make none of that matter. I don't want to keep bringing up my last infographics post, <laughs> but it was remarkable when I looked at all the five lost Power 5 teams You've got Kansas. Yeah. You've got Arizona. Yeah. You've got Vanderbilt. Yep. Got Illinois and California, Red Box Bowl buddies. Right? <laughs> and then you have Nebraska scoring over a hundred more points than they've allowed. And they're ranked twenty-fifth in no twenty-third in SP plus. Advanced stats show them as a top twenty-five team, and they're three and five. How did they do this? It's remarkable. How do they keep doing like so that's the remarkable thing. I expect them to win this game. And yet, on paper, and yet what I really expect is for them to lose this game by three points in yeah, a way for that them, you can't right. figure out how they've managed to do this. It's for, it's for them to dominate the game wire to wire and then, like, forget to feel the kickoff or something and Purdue recovers it and scores a touchdown immediately. Like, it's something like that is how this will go. You ever find your dog just tangled up in something where it's like, What do hey, you look, do? I just want to know how you did this. I'm not even that mad. I just... I can't figure out the physics of this. How you managed to get yourself into this particular position? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we also have the first of what I think again is this triumvirate of Big Ten West championship games. And they well, because Purdue's got to win to keep pace with that. Yeah. To so keep, to to keep it a quadrangle. And so now you've got Iowa going to Wisconsin. Um, 
two teams coming off. Well, I mean, Wisconsin certainly is a little, on a little bit more of an uptick here, but Iowa had the bye week to sit and think about what happened in the Purdue game. So I'm sure. Nothing's changed for me. I think Wisconsin's better because I think their offense is better. Yeah. And I um, think that their defense is better from a down-to-down perspective. Iowa's defense has been way better at forcing turnovers. But here's but, the thing. Wisconsin's not going to let Graham Hurts throw the ball no, enough to turn it no, over. They learned their <laughs> lesson against Notre Dame. Yeah. They're not going to... They're not going to give him but five pass attempts if they're lucky. I was good. The interesting over-under on this one for a prop bet would be total pass attempts over-under 35. Yeah. So Or something like that. I mean, that would be an interesting line I would look for. Um, I do think Wisconsin is the better team here. This well, is, again, you think this, of this one, you almost think of this one like, you know, like that beer pong game where you're going to the last cup, except... There will never be a game more like that than Illinois-Penn State. Sinking the last <laughs> cup in a beer pong You just game. stand there for 20 minutes. <laughs> and and if there's one can... guy you want to bring in for that celebrity shot in the Big Ten, it's Brett Bielema. But Iowa-Wisconsin, a very Brett Bielema game, actually. Yeah. But I think it will be a very Brett Bielema game in that they're just going to try to – they're both going to try to assert their various running styles, and they're both going to try to not lose the game. Again, I think that Wisconsin's defense – is better down to down than Iowa's. And so, on paper, this game is a race to 20, which means in reality, it will be 48-45, something like that. Uh, <laughs> so now we well, turn... The problem is, if it's high scoring, that means probably defensive touchdowns have been scored, which means Iowa has probably scored them. Probably. So that's the thing. I think that if this game hits... I don't. I would, I would, set, a, I would set an over-under of this game at like 42 and a half. Something else so if it hits the over, Iowa wins. If it hits the under, I think Wisconsin wins. Probably so. But again, we'll, we'll see the exact ways in which we can be wrong. Okay, so we'll move now to the lit slate. I'm actually going <coughs> to rejigger the order here. So we'll start in this later group of games that we think will be much better uh, with your Illinutgers. Illinutgers! Siri, define hangover in the, po- in the positive competitive sports sense. Illinutgers 8. Now, here's an interesting thing about Illinutgers as a series. There have been seven of them. Illinois has a 5-2 to advantage, but in this, two of them have been, have been decisive for each side. Okay, Illinois won two of them decisively. Rutgers won two decisively. And then there was one that was like, it wasn't decisive, but it also wasn't like close. It was, it was the 2016 one from which... Remember that ESPN gift that I use all the time that just says, miscues? Is <laughs> that one. It was yeah. one where we won, but Chase Crouch fucked up his shoulder and basically ended his career. Um, but Illinois is 2-0 when this has been a close game. The 2020 edition and the 2005 edition of Illinois, <clears throat> both close games that Illinois won. So it's remarkable. When it's been decisive, it's been even. If it's close... Illinois has been having the edge here. I don't know what to make of this. I'm very upset by the prospect of Art Sitkowski not playing because that meant everything to me. Yeah, it's a real bummer, it man. It meant everything, man. I I got to say, I like... I, I understand what you're saying with the hangover thing, and I'm thinking a lot about Purdue at Wisconsin, but when you look at... The way that they did what they there's, did at Penn State there's was kind no, of by finding an identity. There's nothing unsustainable about what they did against Penn exactly. State. Exactly, there's... No reason they can't take the exact same approach offensively against Rutgers. There's nothing that Rutgers is going to do defensively that, that like, where, okay, 
Rutgers has this defensive capability that Penn State could never dream no, of. No, if you right? were able to, if you were able to run the ball at Penn State, you should have, you should be able to run the ball well enough against Rutgers. Nevertheless, I mean, it's Illinois, man. You, you can't. Which means throw out the record books. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the game that both sides think. Well, look, we got we got to win that one. <laughs> it's always been like that. Both sides are always like, well, okay, well, of course you write that one in as a win, and if it's not a win, then oh. God. <laughs> That's what I love about this game. And hey, you know what's awesome, though? The Big Ten replaced this with Illinois-Penn State. Well, you saw how they first <laughs> oh, You know what's great about this? In 2020, we played at Penn State. This year, we played at Penn State. Next year, we go play at Penn State. <laughs> sure, they love having us around. I'm sure. Well, at this point, yeah. I'm sure they do. Uh, but, and, uh... It, it will be interesting to see how they respond emotionally because, yeah, I also get that, to your point, even if they come out with the exact same game plan, right, hard to imagine they can come out with the same intensity. Yeah, but it's still... So, here's the thing is, if, if Illinois wins this game, then their last three, at Minnesota, at Iowa, home versus Northwestern, I'm not going to say it. Saying there's a chance. <laughs> if they win this game, they it is need, not they unthinkable would, that they go bowling. They and if, if they make a bowl them. game this year, then I am 100% going. You might not have to go far. Oh, well, of course, if it was Detroit, then I'm 100% going. But it yeah. usually ends up being like... They'll, well, give, they'll give you guys the pinstripe bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's what I fly, want, fly to New York City today after Christmas. First off, because since I graduated, I've only had two chances, okay... That was nearly 10 years ago. And then one was in Houston, like, at noon the day after Christmas, <laughs> which I always spend with my family. And then the other one was in Santa Clara. Pass. Another weird time. <laughs> Pass. Um, but no, I mean, this, you know, Greg Schiano has proven that he will, over the course of even just one game, uh, throw all kinds of shit against the wall and see what sticks. So yeah. I think it'll be a really interesting game. I think I know what Illinois is going to do. I don't know what Rutgers is going to do on offense, but <clears throat> we're also really bearing the lead here, and that is we've got a matchup of two of the best players in the conference, Adam Corsack and Blake Hayes, <laughs> and they're going to get a lot of work. Oh, Adam Corsack profile, and they're very different punters. Blake Hayes is not... He does have an 80-yard punt this year, but he's not that San Diego State guy that'll stand there at his own end zone and kick it, you know, inside the 10. He's more of a guy that'll stand there and snipe you from his own 40, hit it inside your 5. Whereas Corsac is more of a distance guy. Um, So, as a punting enthusiast, man... My plans kind of fell through, but all of a sudden I'm thinking, I need to get... I need to find some way to get to that. Tra- Gotta make it happen. Whether by plane, train, or automobile, huh? Um, so, how about... Uh, no, no, we're, we're reverse order here. So, we talked about Penn State and passing, referring to Illinois, because how could we not? Uh, fair to say that the night atmosphere they were going for and scheduling that as the premier game in the conference this week is perhaps... Uh, they fell all the way to 20th, by the way, with that loss. Penn <laughs> State did. Uh, well, you know what this is exactly like is two years ago when... You know, Wisconsin was killing everybody. I mean, Wisconsin <laughs> didn't have a loss, but remember, they, they shut out half the teams they were playing. Yeah. And it was like, all right, it's top 10 Wisconsin, Ohio State, 
could Wisconsin go to the playoffs this year? And then it's like and they slip on, oops. and then they slip on an orange banana peel the week before. And then they lost uh, thirty-eight to seven. So this, I'm this saying line Ohio State the, wins thirty-eight to seven. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <coughs> you remember the line last week against an Indiana team that was two and four and was playing their backup quarterback um, was. Ohio State 19 and a half, I think. What the fuck, though? And the opening line for Ohio State-Penn State is OSU minus 16 and a half. <laughs> They're giving 16 and a half points to a team that was in the top 10 until this weekend. Yeah. Um, which, hey, <laughs> tell me you're not considering taking Ohio State nonetheless. No, I'm, I'm absolutely going to hammer that because there's been no evidence to suggest that the Oregon loss means a goddamn thing. There's been no evidence to suggest that Ohio State is anything other than what I thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it. Well, what it really the evidence that we have so far confirms that this is following again, kind of an Ohio State pattern here, which is, yeah, they might struggle a little bit early in the season as all of their new, extremely talented pieces find out, you know, who fits where, and then once they figure out who needs to be on the field, then they start rolling. And you know, turn into going out. back to that conference standings table. You got eight of the fourteen teams in conference with less than a hundred total points scored in conference games because you know we're in the weight room, we're in the community, <laughs> right? Michigan State one hundred twelve, Michigan one hundred twenty three, Nebraska one hundred fifty. Well, Ohio the, State the, 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 at two hundred seventeen. Nebraska State has scored nearly twice as many points in their four conference games as Michigan State has. Right. They scored 345 points overall this season. No, we mentioned either last week or the week before, they're on track to shatter, to break their own school records for scoring, which after the Justin Fields era, you kind of thought that might have lasted for a couple of years. But. And they have allowed 68 points in conference games. Maryland has allowed 168 points in conference games. It's not something also that Maryland's been outscored by 102 points the last three weeks. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, it's not a good comparison, but point is, their defense <laughs> is still one of the, I mean, yeah, compares in the top half of the conference right. when you just from points allowed. All the heartburn in that they allowed a top <coughs> 10 team to run the ball against them, sort of. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, anyway, I don't see, uh, unless, unless Clifford, as you mentioned, kind of comes out of the Dragon Ball Z healing tank and is perfectly healthy, Going into this weekend, he got roughed up by Illinois. Oh, yeah, Carney that's the thing. Like, it's a step backwards. He took, a, he took a lot of hits. Not to mention, he took a lot of hits in nine overtimes because they kept passing the ball. Right. So, it's it's hard to envision how Penn State corrects the issues they had against Illinois in the span of a week against a team that's absolutely on a tear, like Ohio State is. And for Ohio State, it's not. I mean, like. Their two biggest games remaining after Penn State are the last two weeks of the season. Ohio State's not looking ahead to anybody. Uh, Penn State was supposed to be one of their biggest challenges this year, and it's a night game on ABC. Like they're going to be focused. This is it's going to be a massacre. Yeah, this this, this, this is going to be ugly. And so, of course, this is the game we want to put at seven thirty, and in the nice, secure, sober noon slot, Michigan and Michigan State undefeated for the first time they played is, since 1969, I believe. I have a question. Where is this game being played? East Lansing. Ah, uh, okay. Because I, th- I thought Ann Arbor, when you said noon slot... Well, no, if it was in Ann Arbor, they would consider making it a night game. It's that both schools do not trust Michigan State's fans to behave themselves for a night game against Michigan. <laughs> that's, they, look, that's not unfair. They might be right that's about that. But you know what? Fuck that shit. Let's have some fun and burn some couches. What's the? What really is the harm? I mean... Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 
You know, that's the thing. It's the same administration that won't let us tailgate anymore on campus. That, that's the thing. It's not so much that we don't have fans like that in the Big Ten. It's just that we're way better at containing them than the SEC. All right? Oh, yeah. The SEC doesn't necessarily have more passionate fans. They just have more lax police. Yeah. <laughs> so... For the first time in a few years, I actually feel reasonably confident about this game, which probably means Michigan State's going to get boat raced at home. The road team has had control of the series recently. Um, but look, I still think we have an advantage throwing the ball and that I don't think their corners can cover our receivers. The big question on offense is, does Michigan State's offensive line stand up to Michigan's front at all? Because it's not just Aiden Hutchinson. They've had David Ojabo emerge on the other side. I still don't buy this narrative that Fox in particular is pushing that Josh Ross needs to be in the same conversation as Hutchinson and Hill. That's still crazy pills to me. But anyway, on the other side of the ball, I like our odds at shutting down Michigan's running game. The fact that Rutgers and Nebraska had success against them, I think bodes well for us. And then we'll see. We'll see if Michigan's actually holding back a potent passing a game that they just haven't needed to use yet. And now here it is, surprise! Or if actually they just can't throw the ball that well and maybe they struggle to move it all together. I like That's the way the this sets up. That angle really does make this such an interesting game for yeah. me because <clears throat> you, the other thing to consider is, hey, if they're down and they just keep chasing a seven, a three to seven point deficit, at what point do they go to J.J. McCarthy? Well, they'll mix him in there regardless of game script. They've used him in a handful of snaps <clears throat> Regardless of how the game is but going, you know basically, what I mean? yeah. At what point oh, yeah. do they say, "Okay, we can no longer just game manage. We've got to go and push the ball now." Well, I honestly, I don't know that McNamara is incapable of doing that. They just don't do it when they're in competitive game situations. So, I don't think. I mean, I don't think their passing game to this point has been limited because oh, they're taking deep shots and McNamara is just short arming them or, or missing them. They're not really trying. Yeah. See, I think that Michigan State's offensive line is going to struggle a little more than they have in the past. Um, this How year. so? I mean, they can't possibly struggle much more than they did with Indiana or yeah, Nebraska. That's, they've, that's fair enough. But they've set a low bar for themselves. Is, I think that Michigan is going to have a lot more success running the ball than will Michigan State. But low bar is low. I'm not saying they're going to run all over them. Yeah. I'm just saying I think that they're going to be more consistent down and down. They're, gonna, they're definitely going to get stuffed less. Probably so. We'll see. I, I really hope that Tucker and his staff came up with something over the bye week to deal with the limitations of this offensive line and run blocking in particular. I don't know what exactly that would be, and I don't know what you can do. I, I think Talk to Bert. I think at the, well, I think at this point these guys kind of are what they are. This offensive line's never been as good as the group Illinois has right now. So... I don't know what you can do over the course of bye to address that. Hopefully they get healthier. You know, they've missed Drew Beasley for a few weeks. Having one extra guy on the D-line would be nice, even though Jacob Panashuk is on an absolute heater right now, and I'm looking forward to see him against this Michigan. Do we have uh, a line for this game? It opened up at Michigan minus two. So that's really, if you, what, three and a half points. So that's saying on a neutral field, Michigan five and a half? Yeah, something like that. Which I could see. I think it's a bit much. I'm I'm picking Michigan State on the money line. I'm not, I don't gamble with actual money, but in the OT picks, I'm certainly going to do it. If it were going to be a toss-up, I would favor it to come down in Michigan's favor slightly. But Why? <clears throat> because I think that Michigan has a higher floor as far as their down-to-down on their offense is concerned. I disagree. Second half against Rutgers. 
much of the game, much of the game against Nebraska. I think these teams can both be stopped altogether. The difference is, I think I trust Michigan State staff to deal with that a little bit more often because they've had to live with it for longer stretches. Even the early game against Miami, they had real problems on offense, but they they've shown more of an ability to make in game adjustments. I think. So Michigan gets out to a seventeen nothing lead. It's certainly not over. Um, no, but at that point, the game script has obviously flipped in their favor somewhat. Michigan State gets out to a 14 nothing lead. It feels, it, it feels much closer to over if that happens, yes. That I would agree with. Um, but I, I do see a lot of uh, <clears throat> moose happening in this game. I don't know. Using the block spark. No, I, I get what you mean, but... I don't know about that. I see this game starting out with some moose. Well, look, the thi- between, <clears throat> between these teams, there are serious playmakers, all right? Even with Ronnie Bell down, Michigan still has three running backs capable of hitting the home run. MSU has Walker, Reed, and Naylor. I don't think these defenses are holding <clears throat> those playmakers down all game. Somebody's Michigan's gonna- approach has been way more turnover-averse than has Michigan State's. Michigan State has way less fear of making a bad play, I would say, than than Michigan as far as what plays they choose to call and what like kind of especially what throws they choose to make. That's probably true. Um, Peyton Thorne's definitely been more. But I mean, if you were to go position by position, clear advantage for Michigan on the offensive line. I think closer to a push than most Michigan fans would admit on the defensive line. I like our tackles better than theirs. I probably like their ends more than ours, but not by as much as you would think. Which of these teams has the best win? Let's see. I suppose Michigan's win at Wisconsin is starting to look better, but the exact the, the extent to which Wisconsin's offense was in disarray when they played is hard to overstate. Um, Michigan State does have the win at Miami, which, again, I know the Hurricanes have not held up their part of the bargain since then, but still a really difficult condition to play in. <sighs> They've both beaten Nebraska. Michigan had to go there. Michigan beat Washington, but they've turned out to be crap. Michigan State beat Western Kentucky. That's a really difficult offense to deal with, even if there was never any chance but they were stopping us. Army. Hmm? But so did Army. Right. So Hard to say. Yeah, I, I, I bring all these up not because I have necessarily an angle. If anything, my angle is... These teams are really evenly matched. Yeah, this, this is, should be a really... This is a, a hard game for me to pick neutrally. It's, uh, it's very rare for these teams to actually both be really good when they play, which I yeah. think is a possibility. There have been times in the past when they've been ranked. A lot of the time recently, what that has meant is Michigan is way overrated. Um, and we then find that out after the MSU game when they fall to pieces. The game's a bit later in the schedule than it usually is, and I think there's better evidence now that both these teams are actually pretty good. There's still a scenario in my head where MSU ends up going 8-4, and four, um, but I don't think it's likely. I don't, but I also think that what you're saying has less to do with, you know, you see them falling apart, as just you see the back end of their schedule as being much more difficult, which it is. Yeah. Penn State looks less daunting. It does. Ohio As State. anybody that loses to Illinois tends to do. Well, and also the fact that their quarterback is now plainly injured and they don't well, have a backup. Well, and they don't have... And that's the thing. The fact that they don't have a backup plan. 
Yeah. You assumed they had after Iowa, you just assumed they had a backup plan, or that they would make one. I, what did they do over the bye? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we, we digress. I'll which just say that yeah, I, I've been consistently wrong in my feelings. Well, no, that's not true because the years before that, I was like, oh, this is going to be hideous, and it was. Um, it's well, just a damn shame this one has to share airtime with Illinois, which of course is, every, you know, every college football fan knows that like. That's yeah, scary. you have you've got a seven and you got a seven and zero Paul Bunyan game, but like, doesn't even matter what the circumstances are. It's Illinois. It's going to be Litgers. Yeah, game day's presumably going to Champagne. So how could they not? If not, then big nude Saturday, featuring the uh, featuring the Clay the Clay Travis grievance show. What's he mad about now? And why is he only asking questions? And how is he so good at sticking to sports and not talking about politics at all ever? Yeah, it's just uh, a very impressive talent. Anyways, there is not much going on in the other parts of the country. Legitimately, this is one of the best Big Ten football weekends that I've seen this. This is probably the best one this year, if you look at it beforehand. I mean, the Iowa-Penn State one was pretty good as well. Yeah. But this one looks pretty friggin' good to me. Uh, There is the cocktail party, of course. Florida... Just because Florida dropped out of the rankings doesn't mean they don't still have the tools to be dangerous, in theory, on paper. I mean, so did Kentucky, so have a lot of people. The fact is, you know, somebody's, somebody with a lot of tools to beat Georgia is going to have to do it. Florida has those tools. They haven't used them that well. Yeah, and there's there, there hasn't been much from Georgia. The other thing is Georgia's coming off of a bye, so you expect them to be fairly well prepared for that game. Um, if you're to look elsewhere in the country, you, you could have a little bit of a schadenfreude bowl in checking out Florida State Clemson, um, teams who have very much fallen from grace and uh, are feeling their what way in the dark. national titles in the last 10 years. And now here they are, a combined, what, five wins between them um, as we as the calendar gets ready to turn to November. Yeah, before those are by Clemson. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss and Auburn is a ranked matchup. Auburn, again, somehow inside the top 20, despite having one meaningful well, win they beat the Arkansas. Season. Boy, there have been some incredible ascents to the top and then back to the... I mean, Arkansas got up as high as 8th. Yeah. Well, it deserved... Like, they looked like they were going to be the surprise team this year. Um, elsewhere, you have Fresno State and San Diego State. Um, boy, does Indiana miss Kalen DeBoer as he is now controlling Jake Hayner in that offense in Fresno. And, of course, that's probably the last... I mean, I haven't looked at San Diego State's schedule, but I can't imagine there are many more challenging games on Brady Hoke's inexorable march to the playoff. Why do I want to call them the Fighting Afrikaners? <laughs> DeBoer. DeBoer. <laughs> yes, uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, Kalen is marching DeBoer war against the... Against Brady... Get Brady Hook. Uh, and then you you brought up Texas Baylor in that it's very possible by the end of this weekend Oklahoma will be the only ranked team in the Big 12. And I think Oklahoma State's not going to slide that much. No, they'll probably be like 14 or something. Because um, it was, again, they were, they were, they were actually, in, actually they were actually underdogs. Yeah, and that's true. I think Iowa State's like 5-2 five five, and five yeah. And two now. Yeah, and that's well, they're a, in a similar position to Minnesota, except they actually had some preseason hype. Minnesota, I don't well, Yeah, they were, they were top 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, of course, then they lost to Iowa, and you know, apparently, losing to Iowa just makes you fall apart, as we've learned over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, 
looking at the national calendar overall, there's no reason not to keep it, to, not to buy local, buy Midwest, buy big. In the weight room. In the community. On the practice field. Your source for Big Ken Kong, it's Off Tackle Empire!